Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to my podcast. Today we'll be talking to the amazing Carrie Armstrong, who's going to tell us about the reality of being obsessed with clean eating. My hair was falling out, my back teeth were crumbling, I was wearing children's clothes. And my friend Kat is going to talk to us about her binge eating alter ego. They found me in the kitchen, sort of asleep, but still managing to shovel cake in my mouth. So sometimes this happens where I just like go a bit rogue and I have this sort of internal hobgoblin that comes out and I'm like, I'm going out and I'm not coming back. So I went out on Friday and I had like a lovely dinner party with my friend. It was all very nice. I stayed at her house to help her tidy up in the morning. So I was like, oh, I'm so nice. And then I went to the pub and drank all the way through the rugby. Then went to a party at which I had to wear a wig. And then woke up somewhere that was not my house. And had to like swiftly Uber away. <laughs> um, turned up at my friend's house, literally like I'd been washed up on the beach. She was like, you're a disgrace get in the shower so she essentially just like washed me clothed me fed me and then sent me back on my merry way to my aunt's house where I arrive drunk still and she was just like what has happened what has happened to you and I was just like you know what it's like you know when that thing happens and she's like okay all right go to bed the next day I have to move house and I am so hungover I'm essentially blind and I'm just packing and hating myself just hating myself so much and just regretting my decision to go out and um, I had to go and pick up the keys from my new flatmate move all my stuff into Brixton unpack just like shivering just having the absolute the worst time of my entire life just like oh my god I can't believe these boys are going to meet me for the first time this repulsive <laughs> but yeah no I didn't feel good I didn't feel good about any decisions I made so some of you might remember that um, I've been asking people to get in touch about appearing on the podcast and I've been lucky enough to be approached by the lovely Carrie Armstrong and um, presenter and journalist and what made you want to get in touch with us, Carrie? Because I'm a massive stalky fan, of course. <laughs> like everyone else that follows you on Insta, I absolutely love it. Because my day gets brightened 
by what you do. But obviously on a personal level, it speaks to me slightly differently. So I became quite obsessed with the concept of clean eating or perfect eating when I was 26. I was sick from nowhere. I'd never, ever really considered food, never considered what I'd eaten. It just sort of was there and I swallowed it. And then when I was 26, I got very poorly from just a virus that tried to go away and didn't. And that's basically just called post-viral syndrome. So I was left with a body that did not work at all. Literally couldn't move my arms, couldn't move my legs, couldn't lift my head off my chest, was completely bedbound. And doctors said to me, well, this has just been a severe virus. Hundreds of thousands of people worldwide get this every year. Uh, you will recover. <laughs> I was like, sweet. We don't know when. Great. Uh, and what they said to me was, we can't help you, so try and help yourself. So couldn't move my hands at first. So I used to get people to go to search engines for me. And what I realised is when you type in, how do I get well, this billion pound industry, the diet industry steps in and goes, this is what you've been doing wrong. This is how you fix it. Yeah. I mean, I have a chapter in my live show called um, Listen to Your Body, Not Your Doctor, which is, I think, what they all sort of seem to be saying. And um, I find it quite terrifying, the idea that people think that you can cure cancer with avocados. Here's the thing, though. If you're coming from a place of fear, if you have a scary diagnosis like cancer, like heart disease, like being bedbound, if you're coming from a place of fear and the odds are so high, how can your filter be anything but warped? All you'll find is more scared people. And I found so many scared people. I found so many people who were living in doubt. And in the space of a year, Geordies can't say that word, I went from being probably, I'm a big girl, I'm five foot nine. I went from being around 11 and a half stone to being six stone. Jesus. Hot, yes. I was, uh, my hair was falling out. My back teeth were crumbling. I was wearing children's clothes, 12-year-old children's clothes. But more importantly, I was still in a wheelchair, so it hadn't worked. And I was eating nothing except melon because I thought that everything else was literally poisoning me. Now, that's taking clean eating to new and exciting extremes. That's like the Mm. Usain Bolt of clean eating. And I appreciate that most people don't get there. But I had a lot of time to concentrate on that. Coming back from there, realising it hadn't worked and trying to sort of normalise my eating, it took a really, really long time. So do you think that you were suffering from something called orthorexia? I've read quite a lot about it and I'm fascinated by the idea. Should we get our geek on here and and talk about orthorexia? So orthorexia, just the Greek term for that, means righteous. I know, right? Checking me (laughs) out. Uh, It's righteous eating. It's the pursuit of perfection rather than dramatic weight loss for the need to be thin. It's the need to be perfect. I think that it was a bad habit that I picked up and Mm -hmm. became obsessed with. For me, it was an emotional response. Food was the way I dealt with things instead of using emotions. To the point where even when I did find the cure for my body working again, which wasn't dietary, I really, really wanted it to be. I really, really needed it to be, but it wasn't. And eventually I got the hint. So I was back out in the world. I went, moved to London, learned how to walk again. I got to the point where if I had a bad day at work, I wouldn't go and blow off steam with my friends because I didn't have any. I wouldn't talk to people. I was like a robot. Uh, So what I'd do is I'd go to a health store and instead of going home and crying and eating chocolate, I'd go get a detox kit and think, right, that's okay. All is well in my world. I can control this. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It's using food as a wall to build around yourself. It's using, it's elevating food to a place it doesn't belong it's sort of like anthropomorphizing it a little bit. Food isn't good or bad. That's what people are. Food isn't food isn't evil. Food isn't amazing. It, it's not your salvation, but it's not a sin either. It's just food. Food isn't dirty, so it's not clean. 
Yeah, I mean, I maintain that unless you've eaten it off the floor. <laughs> and we've all been there. We've all been there. Okay. <laughs> that three-second rule, slash the 20-minute rule when Snickers was in the bin and you got it back out. Do you know, nobody, it's okay, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, I did something actually really horrific the other day. So I got sent this massive box of brownies from this really nice bakery and I was like, oh my God, I can't eat them all. I can't eat them all, what am I going to do? And I like ate two and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to cover them in fairy liquid and put them in the bin. And then I was like, no. What? Yeah, and I was like, God, you're a lunatic, what are you doing? I went to my local church and I was like, would you like these? Give them to people. Nice. So that's important because the thing about orthorexia or disordered eating or whatever you, obsessive eating, whatever you want to call it, it's not people focused. Now, because your world gets so insular, you will think things like that. This is the enemy. How do I get rid of the enemy? And it doesn't occur to you to make your world bigger. It doesn't occur to you that there are those in need and that you're not actually, you're not actually poisoning these people with toxins. You're actually giving hungry people food. It's actually love. Yeah, free brownies. Thanks so much. But I mean, the 25 free brownies that they sent me. Slightly I was, excessive. I was living with these like really skinny girls who like go spinning all the time. And you know, like, they're, they're beautiful and gorgeous, whatever they look after their bodies. And they were just like, if those brownies are in the house when we get home, we will throw it fit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> is it a gun? Were you standing in the kitchen with a knife? Food is not the enemy. I just think that if a sweet potato brownie is the most delicious thing that you're ever going to eat again, what is life? <laughs> just no. Just a lot of no. It's weird when you only eat about 2% of what life has to offer you, yet it takes up 20 hours of your day thinking about it. Whereas for us, delicious treats, hello, we like you, you're mm. nice. But you know what else I like? Humans. You know what else I like? Leaving the house. You know what else I like? Having hobbies, talking about stuff that's not online, you know, getting out there and actually having human to human interaction. That's what's important. People think that if you eat clean, you live longer. It just feels like it, okay? Your life just feels longer. <laughs> Technically, it's not actually any longer. I plan to eat myself to death when I turn 70. Is that how you're going to do it? Like, yeah, because I don't want to live longer than that. Just like, I mean, how are you going to do it? Just all at once or yeah. gradually? So literally 70th birthday, I'm right. going to go by family. I'm going to be half-ton woman. Right. And I'm just going to like become a, like maybe I'll make some money out of being one of those like gains people. But I'm just going to... Like cons- internet sensation? Yeah, internet sensation. Imagine looking down the barrel of your life and just seeing decades and decades and decades unfolding where all you have to look forward to is powdered greens and cake. Can we talk about kale? Why? Just why? Unless you cover it in peanut butter, it's actually all right if you cover it in peanut butter and put some like hot Asian sauce on and all that garlic sauce. And that all doesn't the rest sound of it. too bad. It's all right. It's it's fine. But don't tell me that kale's delicious because you are lying to me, to yourself, to the kale. We all know. We all know it's not delicious. I had a green juice for the first time yesterday, and wow. honestly, it was like drinking lawnmower. <laughs> it's a t- no, no, no. It tastes of death. Yeah, it did. It, it tastes of death. I died a little inside. You did. With my sip. It was for it was for a TV program. I didn't buy one. Oh god. And I was just like There's a party in my mouth and everyone's invited. <laughs> Get out. It's not good, is it? It's so bad. It's so mm. bad. And like the idea they're like, oh, you feel so good afterwards. Why? Surely it's just sloshing around in your stomach and you feel sick. Like why put yourself through something so ridiculous? I love it. Avocado pudding. Oh, it tastes just like the real thing. No, what what real thing did you like? When did, number one, when did you last eat chocolate? Because yeah. if you think that avocado and powdered cacao taste like chocolate, I know you're lying. Because even when I was eating melon and going, oh, it's so good, it's so pure for me. I'm six stone. I'm living the dream. I'm gonna detox and then make myself strong again. Even I knew that eating avocado with mashed up carrot and sweet potato wasn't delicious. No, so even as delusional as I was, I still knew it wasn't okay. Yeah, no, it's the absolute pits. Spiralizers? Have you tried courgettes? Um, oh, yeah, I tried once and I spiralized my finger, never again. 
<laughs> and it tasted better than the courgette, didn't oh, it? 100%. I was like, protein. Oh, thank, thank God. Thank, I'm bleeding and it's not white, so I'm not that anemic yeah, yet. Yeah, then I tried to wash it and I spiralised the sponge. I was like, these things are rubbish. <laughs> and it still tasted better than chia seeds. Oh, yeah. The ra- sponge. The I roughage. would rather eat a sponge <laughs> than courgette. But the thing is about courgette is I'm like, it's not pasta. No. Like, it's not going to give you the same sort of energy as pasta. No. It doesn't taste as delicious as pasta. Can we talk about the consistency? It's like something that under the sea. That's what it looks like, <laughs> isn't it? Like you'd walk on it and go, well, I don't even like stepping on it, so it's not going in my mouth. That's how I would. And raw cakes, no. Yeah, no, they really upset me. The cake thing really upsets me. Vegetables masquerading as cakes. Like, what are you doing? The world's gone mad. Carrie, thanks so much for coming in. You've been incredibly interesting and loads of fun, which is excellent. Thank you, Flower. Obviously, Carrie's got the glow through good genetics and because she's an excellent person. No, it's just an Instagram filter, darling. (laughs) Sepia tone. Oh, my God. I got papped by the Daily Mail. It was probably the most exciting moment of my life. So my friend is a very brilliant theatre producer and she invited me to The End of Longing, which is a play written by Matthew Perry, who played Chandler in Friends. And I was so, so excited because I was going to the party and everything. And I rock up sort of in my jeans, like all cosy. And they were like, oh, Bella, would you mind posing for some photos? I was like, "Um, sure. How the hell do you know who I am? Next thing I know, I'm on a red carpet. And all these people are like, Bella, over here, over here, over here. And I was like, ooh, I'm very... As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. very alarmed I'm very very alarmed and then um as I walk in someone tweets me a photo of me going hope you have a good night and you like the play and I was like oh my god I actually just got papped I got papped so I'm telling everyone I've got papped I've become friends with Noel from hearsay I'm having the best time of my life and then the next day I'm I'm on the Daily Mail looking at pictures of Lindsay Lohan I scroll down and there I am my photo was literally next to Bonnie Langford's. So that almost like puts me on a level with her. It sort of went down, I, sort of, I think, in sort of degrees of famousness. Obviously with me being at the bottom. 
and then sort of crawling up through hearsay, then uh, Ricky Wilson from The Voice, and um, then up to Lohan, who was sort of like peak fame. And I have never been taught how to pose, and my mum thinks this is actually a serious issue, because I literally, I look like a sort of porpoise in the headlights. Like I look like I've just been caught really aback, and I've put my chin really close to my chest, and I look very, very fat and very, very confused. But underneath, they said, Bella Younger, comedian, wraps up warm for the weather. And I was like, they know my name. That's all I need. They know my name. Um, sorry, I just wanted to butt in at this point and tell you another story. So, yeah, I've been lucky enough to be featured in a, a few Daily Mail articles. And there is nothing like the Daily Mail comment section to make you really question your worth as a human being. So they started with, um, where did they find this woman? Sick, they spelt it wrong. Such a nobody, desperate for attention. She looks demented, to be honest, but now she's made me want a packet of Haribo or chips with cheese and gravy, lol. Nah, toast and tea, I'll be good. Hilarious is not the right word. Desperate, more like. Now, these are the ones that really get me because of all the things you could say about me, I'm ageing really well. And that's because I've had a very easy life. I do not look any older than 27. Someone told me I looked 15 this morning. Like, this is ridiculous. Jones from Germany. Only 27? If you look at some of the photos, you can see a toothless granny just waiting to get out of her. That's been upvoted 102 times. 102 people have gone, yes. Someone called Polo22 says, Yet some cruel swines say female comedians just aren't funny. Honestly, you've got to have your token woman hater, as it's the Daily Mail. Looks like an orc on a day trip to Earth. That's been upvoted 77 times. 77 times someone has agreed that I look like an orc on a day trip to Earth. Oh my God. So this is the one that's been upvoted the most. Cherry, JLG, has said, she looks like she needs a bath and a shampoo. Upvoted 328 times. 328 people went onto the Daily Mail, went onto the comments and agreed that I look like I need a bath. People are awful. I mean, to be fair, like, I didn't think I was going to be famed for my beauty, but... Yeah, no, I'm going to guess that they don't have a huge amount of friends. I think that anyone who takes the time to log into the Daily Mail and comment probably hasn't got a marvellous life. So um, I am here with my best friend, Kat, from university. Kat, you and I, we met at uni. We lived together. It was amazing. So we called your room the Diet Coke Graveyard, and uh, what was really nice about it was, along with the rustle of Diet Coke cans underneath your bed, was also the empty tuna cans. They were also kept there as a sort of memento of, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what really. That, that was really nice about living with you, but also the amount of pants that were left on the bathroom floor, I particularly enjoyed. But you were very good at cooking, and at that stage I hadn't managed to do a cooking course, so I would mix garlic rule and other sorts of forms of cheeses into a paste and basically eat them out of a packet. So 
one of the things I'm best known for in my friendship group is um, coming up with nicknames for my friends. Um, Kat, do you want to tell me what your nickname is? Yeah, so we were at 21st and um, about a little while. I, I went missing around three o'clock in the morning. Um, just sloped off for a casual snack. And our friend had a kind of a castle made out of cake. And Bella and a couple of others decided after I'd been missing for about an hour and a half to come and look for me. And they found me in the kitchen with my head and shoulders in the fort of the castle. Sort of asleep, but still managing to shovel cake in my mouth. Bella yells out, Bruce Bogtrotter. And I, I rise momentous from my cake fort and look at her and go, it'll never stick. Um, which sadly it, it has done. Um, it's quite great when you've got a new boyfriend on the scene and they're like, so uh, why, why does all your friends call you Bruce? And why in your friendship group is Bruce an adjective and a verb? So it's like, oh yeah, Bruce it. Or I'm feeling Brucey. And you have to explain that whole really sexy story and they know that you're always going to order pudding on a date. Yeah, so throughout the years we've found Kat going to bed with a bucket of rice. <laughs> She's eaten a whole packet of Cars Melt biscuits. <laughs> Three packets, sorry, <laughs> the morning after a big night. Somehow she actually manages to maintain quite a glorious figure and I don't know how she manages it because I've seen it in full swing. When I was about 22, I went to go and visit Kat in Argentina when she was on her year abroad and we were absolutely appallingly behaved for a whole month and then when I left she had a giant sort of sweet shop tub of lemon bonbons. My friend's parents were coming over to visit us who I lived with called Fred and they said you know do you miss anything from the UK and most people are like Marmite or something like that and no I miss lemon bonbons so you know I just thought that they'd bring me a packet from you know Smith's a normal size packet probably 25 grams or whatever that is but no they bought me one of those sweet shop tubs and unbeknownst to them I really need rationing so I need a, you know, a packet that's sealed so you know for instance if they bought me you know, five sealed packets I might be able to manage this better but they uh, they just bought me one one tub and I have no stop button so the whole tub was devoured within 72 hours I lacerated the roof of my mouth I couldn't actually eat anything else for another three days which is probably a godsend because I had just consumed a year's worth of calories in 72 hours yeah my tongue was my tongue was blistered and my roof of my mouth was burnt and lacerated so yeah you are so unbelievably sexy another great thing about Argentina was that there was an ice cream parlor on every block and after Bella left, I just, I didn't think I was coming back to England for about six months. So I thought, this is my time. I can get really fat and lose the weight again. And unfortunately, my flight back got moved forward slightly. So I was coming back in two months. And by this point, all I'd managed to do is get really fat and not lose the weight because I would get a kilo of Dolce de Leche ice cream, which is a bit like Hagen dazs pralines and cream, biked round the other side of my block, not even, not even going to collect it probably about twice a week and yeah I, I packed that away and weirdly I was enormous by the end of that. So I really wanted to talk to Kat about one of the funniest things that I genuinely think has ever happened. Um, so our, our friend Olivia um, once had a birthday party at her house in the country and she'd invited some uni friends and some school friends and Kat had been out the night before 
I believe that she had gotten in so drunk that she tipped over her dad's change jar in his room when he was sleeping <laughs> to try and pay the taxi. And when she arrived, she was still absolutely steaming. <laughs> Can you elaborate? It was one of those mornings where I, uh, yes, I had, had knocked over the change jar while shushing my parents and then passed out on the floor of their bedroom and then was carried to my bed. And then, yeah, woke up in the morning and it was one of those mornings where you feel like, you know, ah, oh, I don't have a hangover. Obviously because you're still steaming drunk. And I remember arriving at this party and, and I'd actually been quite good the day before. I'd, I'd cooked, a, um, cooked a, a cake for the host. And, you know, I'd, I'd arrived there. I was, I was, after I was wearing jeans and everyone else was kind of frocked up in, you know, glory. So I was, I was put into some disgusting maroon number by my host, which had some sort of bow on it, and um, told to kind of, you know, go and behave myself. But obviously, I was still cross-eyed from the night before, presented her with a cake, and then proceeded to get chatting to, there was about, two boys there and just chatting to this one guy and I think we had some friends in common and his girlfriend and him had he was also there had had a bit of an argument the night before and I perhaps wasn't being my most tactful because we were just getting along and I didn't realize the dagger eyes that were being thrown at me from the other side of the room anyway apparently for her the final straw for me was when I um I took a sausage off his plate at lunch obviously because the 10 sausages that had been put on my plate was not not nearly enough so she sort of really started to kind of wade into conversations that we were having and as I mentioned the fact a few times that she was a, an aspiring actress and I'd obviously drunk about another three bottles of white wine by this stage and decided to give her my favourite quote from Jilly Cooper, which was that being an actress is the same thing as a prostitute in seven different languages. At which point she'd really had enough and held an entire tray of profiteroles at my head and then cried. The best part of this is that she sort of gestured with the profiteroles towards Kat as if she was making a kind gesture and offering them to her and then just like ricocheted them all over her. Kat's so drunk she doesn't notice. She thinks it was a mistake. She's like, oh, don't worry about it, babe. And like this girl is literally furious absolutely furious our friend who was hosting her boyfriend dumped her on the spot because he was like your friends are so appalling i can't go out with you anymore it was in short probably the worst lunch party of all time only that had been where it had stopped i have quite a weak stomach for someone that eats quite a lot of food and on the way home i was on the the, the new luxy high-speed rail in kent which is 15 minutes from uh, king's cross to ebb the 15 minutes was 15 minutes too long. And the lunch and all the wine and the uneaten profiteroles were obviously taking a bit of a toll on me. And I just suddenly thought, I'm going to be sick. I've got nowhere to go. But luckily, I had the cake tin and delivered the cake to my friend's house and remembered the cake tin, as my mother told me very specifically to bring it back. So I had a vessel and I had no shame. <laughs> After having been very sick in the cake tin and cleared the entire carriage, I felt much better, got off the train, gave my mother cake film full of sick, watched Downton and went to bed. I can't imagine anything more glorious happening. So I think I'm going to leave it here. Thank you so much for talking to me. You're very welcome. Love you very much. Love you too. Thanks. Bye. Sorry, I'm eating. Just enjoying a couple of frying sauces that Carrie bought me earlier. <coughs> so if you're enjoying listening to this podcast why not subscribe on itunes and then you'll never miss an episode see you next time